Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Everyday Trainer Podcast. My name is Megan, and I am a dog trainer. So on today's episode, I'm talking about e-collars. So e-collars are just electric collars that we can use for dog training. Um, They are also the thing that brings me the most criticism uh, because these tools do sometimes get a lot of negativity associated with them. So people call them shock collars and tell me that I'm abusing dogs and all of that. Um, But if you see how I train with them and see how gentle these tools actually are, they can really change the relationship between you and your dog. So I'm going to walk you through just general e-collar stuff, the things that I think you need to know before you get started using these tools. Um, So I'm going to tell you how to get started conditioning, how to place it, what the best e-collar is to use, um, and when not to correct, when to correct, all of that jazz. So if you've ever been interested in getting started e-collar training with your dog, or let's say you've just like reached a plateau in your training and are really looking to take it to the next level, then this episode is for you. So sit back, enjoy, and I hope you learn a lot about the e-collar. Hello friends and welcome back. So on this episode, I'm going to talk with you about the e-collar. So the e-collar is one of the most misunderstood tools out there. Uh, Luckily, we are in an age where these things are really awesome and they're high tech and they're super safe for our dogs. Um, But unfortunately, there is still this stigma of a shock collar. So I hate when people call e-collars shock collars because shock collars just has like such an such negative association with that. And I really want to get rid of the negative association between these tools because I honestly think that e-collars are one of the safest tools that you can use with your dog when done correctly. So an e-collar is just an electric collar. Now with e-collars, you need to make sure that you're buying a good brand. So with these, you really want to save up your money and invest in a good brand. I use e-collar technologies. Um, The one that I use the most is called the Mini Educator or the ET300. Um, 301, 302. I don't know. I'm going to have to go check that. (laughs) It's like ET3 something. So I love this e-collar because first of all, it's small. It works for almost every single dog that I've trained. Uh, They come in fun colors and I just love that they go from zero to 100. So you really get to find the lowest level that the dog feels the sensation at. And that's what we want when we're training. So a lot of people think of e-collars as just correcting the dog for suing, doing something that you don't want them to do. But I think of e-collars as a way to communicate with our dog. So I tell all of my clients that this is essentially a cordless leash. So think of the e-collar just as you would the leash. Anytime you're giving leash guidance, you can use e-collar guidance. And it's really nice for off-leash things, uh, for stuff in the car, or just when you don't have that leash on for that directional guidance. If your dog knows what the e-collar is, then you can teach them. So I'm going to walk you through how I would introduce the e-collar why I do it this way, and what you should avoid doing with the e-collar. So the first thing is you just need to make sure that you're buying a good one. Uh, so the mini educator goes for about 200 bucks. It's not cheap. It is an investment, but it's because it's safe for your dog. So like I said, it goes from zero to 100. A lot of other e-collars either go from zero to 20 or zero to seven, and you don't really get to find that perfect level for your dog. So like I've used uh, Dogtra and I've used Sport Dogs, and those are still good quality e-collars, but I just don't like that 
at least the ones that I used, I wasn't able to find a really perfect level. I was either too low to where the dog couldn't feel it, or it was like too high and the dog was getting some sort of negative reaction to it. So I never want the e-collar to be a bad thing. I simply just want it to be a way to communicate with the dog using a physical sensation. So before you just slap on an e-collar and start correcting things, you need to make sure that you have a really solid foundation of training with your dog. Um, so for me, this means, does your dog listen to you when you ask them to do something? Recall is a really great place to check your relationship. If you call your dog and they don't come back to you, you have a lot of work to do before you should just start jumping in and using the e-collar. So that's when you can do that foundational work of putting on that leash, teaching your dog exactly what recall means, teaching them how to move in with that leash pressure. You need all of that so that you can teach what the e-collar means. Because if you don't have a dog that understands leash pressure, or if you have a dog who is already blowing you off, who's not recalling, who doesn't know any obedience or doesn't really have, like you don't have a verbal language with that dog, it might be a little more difficult to transition the e-collar on top of your non-existent training. So before you just jump into using the e-collar, I suggest you have a good solid foundation of obedience, recall, and just a good relationship with your dog. Like you're you need a dog that listens and respects you. If you don't have that, then you need to work on getting that first because the e-collar is for sure not going to solve your problems at all. So like I said, I like to use the e-collar basically anytime that I would be using the leash. So I find that the more training that I do, uh, the less I have to correct the dog. So there is a big difference between correcting a behavior and not allowing the behavior to happen. Most of the training that I do doesn't allow for bad behaviors to happen. So for example, let's say I have a dog who counter surfs. That just means that they jump up on the counter and will like get into things or steal food. I could correct using the e-collar and stop that unwanted behavior or I could have the dog on place when I'm not actively with them or watching them to prevent that behavior from ever even happening. So that's really like how I do my training is I don't always just go right into corrections. I actually do quite the opposite. There's a lot of conditioning and training with the e-collar that goes into it before you can just start correcting for those bad behaviors. And I think you'll find that if you put in a lot of the work first, then you don't have to correct for those bad behaviors because you're setting your dog up for success. So conditioning the e-collar, what does this look like? Um, I posted a video of a very messy session uh, with my roommate's dog. So he's about seven months old now. We believe he's an Australian Shepherd Border Collie mix, but now he's gotten much, much larger than we anticipated. The I don't know where he got him, but whoever he got him from said that he was a mini Aussie and like there's there's no way he's a mini Aussie like he's huge. So we're not really sure what he is, um, but I walk through how I condition the e-collar to the dog. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to find the dog's working level. So the working level or um, it, it's really just the lowest level that the dog feels the sensation at. So we don't want it to be a negative experience. We don't want it to be confusing. We want it to be so light that the dog is almost questioning whether they feel something or not. So it should just be kind of like a little tap on the shoulder of like, hey, feel this sensation? Yes, okay. So then you can teach the dog what that sensation means and what they need to do when they feel that sensation. So the first thing is finding that working level or that level that your dog feels it at. So uh, first things first, put your e-collar on, make sure that your remote and your collar are connected. I always kind of dial up, press, and see if that red button lights up on the receiver. That way I know that it's connected and both are on and working. Then you need to place the e-collar on the dog. Now, I think that this is one of the areas that owners struggle with the most because getting connection is pretty difficult. So 
there are two little electrodes on the e-collar and you need to make sure that those are in contact with the skin. So these e-collars that e-collar technologies has, um, they are medical grade. So these are like tens units. If you've ever been to physical therapy or to a chiropractor, those little sticky electrodes that they put on you to activate your muscle, that is essentially what we're doing to the dog. So it's not painful. We're not electrocuting them. It's just a little tingly sensation. And that's all we want. We just want to teach them like, Hey, when you feel a sensation, move towards me or listen to the command and follow through with that command. And so it's just a really great way to communicate to the dog via physical sensation instead of just a verbal command. Um, so not all dogs do great with verbal commands. Sometimes when they just get in that zone, you don't really have a way to pull them out of it. That's how Lucy is with me. She's my dog. Um, basically, she is very drivey and when she sees a squirrel or a bird or a bunny, anything like that, it's very hard to pull her attention away from that. And you can just tell it's just part of who she is and it's in her instinct. So the e-collar really opened up so many doors for us because we finally had a way to communicate in moments like that. So that's why connection is really important because they are little electrodes. So we want to make sure that they're connected the whole time we're using the collar. So the collar is a little bit tighter than a typical collar. Usually only about one finger is going to fit under it. And I like to put it on the front side. Um, and then if I have a dog that I'm actively working with the e-collar with, um, I'll switch sides halfway through the day just so that those little electrodes don't like rub into the dog's neck at all. Now, e-collar technologies also set, uh, sells these, um, like fur savers, where it really helps to get a good connection, especially if your dog has a lot of fur. So if you haven't checked that out and you're interested in buying an e-collar, I would definitely suggest getting one of those little fur savers. Um, I just recently started doing that with the dogs that I train and I really like them. So I'm probably going to start giving those to all of my clients who have really fluffy dogs. So front side, um, directly off to the side. You don't want it over the center, like right over their trachea. We don't want it rubbing over there. Um, so front side, it should be tight enough so that it doesn't like spin around. We need to make sure that those electrodes stay in the same place because when you do this, you'll find that if the collar moves, the sometimes the level can change too. So you might be at too high of a level or too low of a level based on where the collar is on the dog's neck. So to find the dog's working level, all you're going to do is put the collar on, make sure that you have good connection with the skin, and you're going to start at one and press and hold for about a second or two. And you're just looking for a little response from the dog. So you're going to start off at one kind of tap there, see if you get any response. We're looking for like the dog looking down or the dog uh, sometimes they'll look behind them or you'll get like a little ear twitch or their eyes will kind of get bigger. Just something that indicates that they feel this sensation at. So you're going to start off at one, then go to two, then gradually work your way up until you find some indication that the dog feels it. Now from there, I usually go back down again because sometimes when you're finding the working level, you'll find that you have to go up a little bit higher the first time because the dog has never felt the sensation before. So I don't want you to be working at too high of a level. So go back down like three, four or five and then work your way back up. And you may find that you're at a lower level than you were before. Now, most dogs are below 10. So for example, I don't feel it until about an 11 or 12. Um, I would say most dogs are around a six, seven, eight. I've had a few that are at a two and it's just extremely gentle, which is awesome. And that's why I really like the e-collar. So you have your working level, you're ready to go. You need to make sure that you have your dog on leash for this. Now, when you're conditioning the e-collar, let's say this is your first session ever with the e-collar, you want to start in a place. Um, I like to do it outside on asphalt or concrete where there's not too many distractions. And if you watch the video that I posted on this, <laughs> the dog that I'm conditioning to the e-collar is like 
scraping food that's like smushed into the concrete off of the ground. Um, it was trash day and there was a bunch of food left in our cul-de-sac. So there was like smushed food all over and he was super distracted. That is not what you want. You don't want a really distracted dog. Um, you want to have the least amount of distractions possible, but I still like doing it outside just so you can have a little space. So when you're conditioning the e-collar, Basically, all you're going to do is stand there. I like to have the dog on a long lead, but you could like a 15 foot leash, um, but you could do this with pretty much any leash. So you're just going to stand there and wait for the dog to kind of walk away from you, maybe start sniffing something. And then you're going to do a combination of a few things. So when I'm conditioning, I will either press and hold the continuous button on the e-collar then say the command, then reward with food, or I will press and hold, say no command, and then reward with food, or I will do the combination of one of those and not reward with food, or I will tap after I say command and then either reward with food or not reward with food. So I'm doing a combination of pressing and holding before I say the command versus tapping after I say the command. Um, and the reason that I do this is because we're eventually going to go just into that tapping stage where we say the command and then we can use it to motivate the dog to follow through with that command. Now the pressing and holding before we say the command is helpful because it teaches the dog to tune into that sensation and then listen to the command, follow through with that command to turn it off. So this is kind of hard to explain in a podcast. It's much easier to kind of show. Um, but basically, you have the dog on leash. The dog starts sniffing. What I'm going to have you do is you're going to press and hold. Give a little bit of leash guidance, just a teeny little bit towards you. Say, come. As soon as the dog starts moving towards you, you're going to release that continuous button on the e-collar and you're going to mark that with a good. So it goes much faster than that. It's press and hold, come, guide the dog to you, release once they move towards you. So you just want to teach the dog how to turn off that sensation. And they're not going to know what it means at first. It's very foreign to them. So that's why we need that leash guidance because the e-collar doesn't have any directional guidance. So if we just press and hold, the dog might try to run away from it because they don't know what it is. So we want to teach them exactly what they need to do when they feel that sensation. So you're just going to keep doing that. So you call the dog over towards you good boy then you kind of let him walk away a little bit do it again come tap 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 and still he until he starts moving towards you then you stop tapping good job then you can reward with food now I like to use a combination of rewarding with food versus not rewarding with food because you're not always going to have food but I do want to build up that positive association with the e-collar and with following through with the command, but I don't want to get to the point where the dog will only listen to me if I have food and if I'm offering food in that session. So that's why I like to do a combination of food, re food reward and no food reward. Now, I will always mark the behavior of the dog moving back towards me. So this is all about timing. So it's press and hold, release as soon as the dog turns towards me. It's not when they get to me. It's not when they're sitting next to me. It's when the dog decides to follow through with that command, that sensation turns off. So you're going to practice that again and again. Another place that I like to do is on the walk. So you're walking, walking, walking. You're going to let the dog get out ahead of you a little bit and then turn around, go the other direction, tap, tap, tap. As soon as the dog starts moving towards you, you stop tapping. Good boy. Reward that dog for moving towards you. So in this early stage, you're really just teaching the dog to move towards you to get that reward when they feel that sensation. So we want to build up that positive association with that e-collar sensation. And most importantly, teach our dog when in doubt, when you feel this sensation, come towards me. 
and there will always be good things. So the next stage of that, let's say, so the conditioning phase is that phase where you're conditioning the dog to the e-collar. You're teaching them what this sensation means and how to turn it off. When you're in this stage, you need to be working at the dog's working level every single time. Do not dial up if the dog ignores you. If the dog ignores you, add more leash guidance. This is not the time to dial up because the dog doesn't fully understand what the e-collar is. So if we start dialing up our e-collar when our dog is not listening to us, then we run the risk of hitting them with too high of a number, creating a bad association with it, and that's not what I like. Um, if you take the time to condition the e-collar properly, then there should be no like negative association with the e-collar and the dog should understand exactly what the e-collar is, that it's coming from you and that it's simply your way of communicating with the dog. So when I say tap, um, tapping is me just pressing the button. So I use the continuous button for many, pretty much everything, like the red button, if you're just using the collar kind of as is when you get it in the mail, if you're using the mini educator. Um, so I just use the red button for everything. So when I say tapping, I'm simply just pressing, 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 and then press and hold is obviously what it is, press and hold that button. So you can use the continuous button and obviously as continuous, and then you can also use it as tapping. I just like to do that for simplicity reasons. It's just easier for me to remember and for me to explain to owners, just use the red button. <laughs> it makes it simple. Just use the red button for everything. You can either press and hold it or you can just simply press and release. So when I say tapping, that's what I'm talking about. So most dogs pick up on the e-collar very quickly if you're doing it with this way and you have a dog who understands leash pressure and understands recall. So that normally takes about three days to a week. I've only had a few dogs that it's taken a full week, um, but if you don't have as much time to dedicate to doing a training session every day with the e-collar, um, then it may take you that long, and that's totally fine. There is no rush in that. Uh, but for me, since the dogs that I train are staying with me, and it's really important for me to have the e-collar, I typically introduce the e-collar in the second week, second or third week of our board and train and then third week of our daily training. So we like to get that good foundation of teaching behaviors. I do not teach behaviors with the e-collar. I simply use the e-collar to kind of fine tune those behaviors. So I teach all of the behaviors, place, obedience, how to go into the crate, um, any new behavior that I want to teach. I use uh, food rewards and leash guidance to do that. I do not teach with the e-collar. So from there, then I like to layer on the e-collar on top of obedience commands. So this is when you're going to get more into that tapping stage where you're just tapping to follow up with the command to make sure that the dog follows through with it. Now you need to make sure that your dog actually knows what is expected of them. That's why I say you need this foundation of training. So if you're layering it on top of place or your obedience commands, you need to make sure that without a doubt, your dog knows that when you say sit, they need to sit and they know exactly what sit is. A lot of people will say, oh, well, he knows sit. He just doesn't want to do it right now. And it's like, no, your dog doesn't know it then if he doesn't want to do it. Like you need to get to the point where your dog knows how to follow through with the command. Um, so if you're in that stage and your dog doesn't follow through with commands, put the leash back on and start at square one. Uh, make sure that every time you say a command, you make sure the dog follows through with it using some leash guidance. Um, so to layer it on top of your obedience stuff, simply have the e-collar on. You're going to be at that working level. You say sit, tap, tap tap until the dog sits. Once the dog sits, good job. You can use a food reward. Uh, if you have food, if you're doing it for a training session, same thing with place. You say place, tap, 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 guide the dog over to place, down, tap, 
tap, tap until they lay down. Once they lay down, you stop the tapping. So basically you're just teaching the dog to follow through with the command to turn that tapping sensation off. Now it should not be uncomfortable. It should not be anything like that. It's just a way to tell the dog, Hey, I'm going to make sure that you follow through on this. It is not a punishment. Now, you can use the e-collar as a punishment, but I urge you to take plenty of time conditioning the e-collar first before you go and use it to correct behaviors. So I got a ton of questions on Instagram about like, oh, well, can I use it if my dog is barking at the door? Or can I use it if my dog jumps up on guests? Can I use it for all of these situations? And yes, you can. But I'm going to be very honest with you, I almost never use the e-collar for situations like that because I don't allow the dogs to do things like that. So if I have a dog who is jumping up on guests, I'm not going to let them jump on guests by either having them on a leash and holding them down using the leash or putting them on place when I know guests are going to come over. So I don't love... Uh, giving our dogs a whole bunch of freedom and then just correcting them for when they're doing things that we don't want them to do. I just think that's a little unfair to our dogs because they probably don't know what they need to do in the first place. So you need to teach your dog what they need to do in the first place by having the leash on. Owners think that this e-collar is some like magic tool and some quick fix, but the fact of the matter is it's not. And I think the people who get the most benefit out of the e-collar are the ones who are putting in so much work into their dog's training before they get the e-collar. And then when they get the e-collar, it just layers on so nicely and they can easily transfer that leash pressure to e-collar pressure and the dog just really understands it nicely. That's where I was with Lucy when I started introducing the e-collar, um, I put in a ton of leash work with her. Uh, we practiced long line recall. We were doing all of the things that I needed to do with her. She understood that she needed to follow through with the commands. Um, but the biggest thing for me was those real life situations, those real life recall situations. So the biggest thing that I struggled with with Lucy was her running away. She would slip through the door anytime someone would... I mean, just come home or she's very slippery. <laughs> she escapes very easily. And looking back, I should have had her on a leash if I knew that she was doing that. Like I would have put her on a long lead while we were growing up. Uh, but when she was little, she basically just got into the habit of running away and self-rewarding that running away because she would go and run in the forest behind my apartment complex. So she just got to experience this like super intense sense of freedom every time she would run away and she would go play in the creek and she loves to swim and it's like the greatest thing ever. And I didn't know what to do with her. She would run away and I couldn't call her back. She would be gone for hours. I would be worried. I would have to call in for work. Like she was a lot. Um, and so it took a lot of training to get her to the point where she just didn't immediately bolt anytime she had a time off leash. And what was really difficult with her was I practiced long line recall with her all day long. I specifically remember, and this was not that long ago, like it took us a while to get to where we're at now, which is she has a perfect recall no matter what. And she's just perfect. Um, but that did not come easy. I specifically remember me and Tommy, my boyfriend, were going for a hike and I was working on recall with Lucy. And at this point, she was doing really, really great with the long line. Like she would always come back to me. I would let her kind of run around a little bit and then recall her towards me and she would do great. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to like unclip this leash, see how she does. And I just remember her looking at me, seeing that she didn't have the leash on and she was just gone. 
and there was nothing I could do. Like my recall meant nothing to her, even though we practiced it so much on the long line, which mimics off leash, but she just knew she knew the second she didn't have a leash on that she was free and she could run and that I would have no control over her. So that was the day that I was like, okay, now like I have to have the e-collar, like this is becoming a safety issue, especially in Florida with all of these bodies of water around and tons of alligators and my dog is obsessed with water like if she smells a body of water like (laughs) before recalling her away from that oh my god it would be nearly impossible but now that I've trained her with the e-collar I know that no matter what I can recall her which is just great I would never let her off leash without the e-collar But a ton of training went into that before I would let her off leash because she would just bolt. And if I like corrected her with the e-collar, it wouldn't really mean a whole lot because she was in such an elevated state that it really didn't matter unless I hit her with like a really high level, which is not something that I want to do or that I think would get her to come back to me. So I did have to teach her that tap tap means you need to move towards me. So how I did that is essentially how I conditioned the e-collar, except I just had her on a really, really long leash. I would let her kind of run ahead of me, run away a little bit, and then tap tap on the e-collar. If she needed it, I would give her a little leash guidance back to me. As soon as she started moving towards me, yes, good girl, Lucy, and I would reward her with some food. So in the early stages, you need to make sure that you have that leash on for those moments when the dog may blow you off. You don't want to give the dog the option to blow you off because that's when the dog will get that experience blowing you off and it may become a habit. That's what I was struggling with with Lucy the most. So while you're training this with your dog, I suggest you set those boundaries instead of just correcting for the bad behaviors that you don't want. So setting the boundaries means having your dog on place and not just allowing them to kind of free roam around your house. Now you can use the e-collar to hold your dog to place. You can call your dog to place. If they go to get up, nope, tap, tap, tap until they lay back down. Good job. And you always want to make sure that you mark that good behavior with your marker word to give your dog the other half of that equation. You don't want them to just be waiting to be like, oh, well, did I do it? Did I do the right thing? You always want to make sure you give them that yes or that good or that uh uh-uh to communicate to the dog. Yes, you did that right. That was perfect. Keep doing it, whatever it means. They need that second half of the equation, especially when you're in the teaching phase with the e-collar. So if you're using the e-collar to hold your dog accountable to your training, you'll find that you don't really have to correct that often, but there are some instances where I would use the e-collar to correct a behavior. Let's say your dog likes to dig in the backyard. You can correct on a high level using the e-collar because that's not something you want your dog to ever do again. You want to communicate to your dog, hey, this is not what I like. Do not do this. Now, with this kind of correction, I want to create a little bit of suspicion with the dog digging a hole. With all of the other parts of e-collar training, I don't want any confusion or suspicion when the dog feels the e-collar sensation. I want them to know exactly what they need to do, and that's why I pair it with commands or leash guidance. But in this case, I do want to create a little bit of suspicion because I want the dog to be like, ooh, I don't really want to dig again because something bad happened last time or like counter surfing. If your dog is a habitual counter surfer and you need to correct them for doing that, make it a little suspicious. Do it on a high level, kind of stand in your room, maybe set up your phone on FaceTime so you can catch your dog in the act of jumping up on the counter to correct them when their paws touch that counter because then the dog will be like, ooh, 
there was a bad thing that happened when I did that. I don't want to do that again. So those are the things that we want to create some suspicion with, with the e-collar. But most of the time we want to make it very clear that this is coming from me. I'm using it to hold you accountable to this training. And we're using it as a way to communicate when you've followed through and when you've done something because the dog knows, okay, when this sensation turns off, I know that I've completed the task and I'm going to get my reward. So that's what we want. Now, I do not like to use the e-collar to correct um, certain states of mind. And I know that a lot of dog trainers will disagree with me because there are a lot of dog trainers out there who say, if the dog is in a state of mind that you don't like, you need to correct the behavior. So I used to do this. I used to correct dogs for like anxiously barking in the crate or, um, yeah, just (laughs) anxiety or like aggressiveness, but I actually don't do that anymore because I didn't find it to be a long-term solution to those things. So anytime you have a dog that is reactive or you have a really anxious dog, I suggest that you get to the root cause of the issue instead of just trying to correct the dog out of that state of mind. Um, It may work temporarily, uh, but I don't think that that kind of approach actually changes the dog's state for the long term. Um, So what I mean by this is Let's say I have a dog who is um, really anxious in the crate. And so they're in the crate, they're whining, blah, blah, blah. If I go to correct them when they're in that really anxious state, I've found that sometimes the e-collar can almost amp the dog up even more, even if you're at a really low level. Uh, So for things like that, I don't typically correct. Now, if the dog is doing something like demand barking where they're not really like scared or anxious they're not in that kind of state of mind they are just bossy and trying to tell you what to do that is a time that I would correct that behavior or if a dog is yeah like demand barking or just kind of being a jerk like those are instances where you need to correct the dog at a little bit of a higher level than that working level so when I say correction it's simply pressing the e-collar at a level that means something to the dog. And the dog is going to tell you what that level is. I can't tell you what that level is because every single dog is different. So let's say, um, Archie, a correction for him is, well, first his working level is around a 12. So he's not super sensitive to the e-collar at all. Um, a correction for him is honestly pretty high. He's in the thirties for a correction to really mean something to him. And he's very stubborn and he doesn't give up very easily. So I have to have a pretty high level to communicate, Hey, I don't want you to do this again. So for him, he is, uh, he's such an interesting case. He barks on leash, But his barking doesn't really come from a place of fear like so many other leash reactive dogs uh, that I see. Um, His is really a kind of dominance, like I'm telling you to get away from me, get away from me kind of bossy bark. So I'm going to correct that kind of barking. But what I'm not going to correct is a dog that is barking out of fearfulness. So instead of just correcting for a reactive dog on the walk, I'm going to get to the root cause of that issue. Why does this dog feel the need to bark? Usually, um, it's because the dog lacks impulse control. So we can do some training to kind of work on some impulse control. Maybe you go to the park, put your dog in a down, you can hold your dog in a down using that e-collar and just teach them to sit and watch other dogs go by. Um, So do you see what I'm saying when I say I don't necessarily use the e-collar for correcting? I usually use it to shape the behaviors so that we prevent those behaviors that need correction. And over time, the dog is going to learn what they need to do instead. And I've just found that the more that you're correcting a dog, the more shut down they're going to be. 
And when I'm trying to rewire a dog's brain and do all of this behavioral modification, conflict, like correction, is kind of our enemy. It really is. And I've just found that the more corrections that I use, the worse off our relationship is. And I mean, just think about this with any any animal or even like a teacher, like if you have a teacher who is constantly telling you, oh, you're doing this wrong or constantly getting you in trouble or giving you detention or I don't know what kids do. We had think sheets in elementary school. If you did something wrong, you had to like go sit in a corner and write about what you did. Like think about it. Like imagine if you were a kid and you're always getting think sheets and you're always getting sent to the corner. Like you're not going to want to learn. So that's how I like to look at dog training is I want to make it fun for the dog and I want to challenge the dog just enough so that they win while also kind of overcoming something. Maybe they overcome a fear or maybe they jump up onto something and that's a big win for them. Um, But I'm not just correcting for every single bad behavior that I don't want the dog to do. That's a really good way to kind of ruin your relationship. And I like to have the training really focus on the relationship I have with the dog. And I find that the more preventative work that I do with the dog using the e-collar, the less I have to correct. And it, like I said, it's just a way to communicate with the dog using a physical sensation. And once you create that language with them, you find that you don't need to correct all of these behaviors because they know exactly what they need to do. When you put a dog on place and they feel that sensation go off as soon as they go on place, they know exactly that they they like they know they need to stay there. They know they're exactly where they need to be. So you can hold the dog accountable to place. Let the dog um, see people come in and out of the house. Uh, practice a down outside at the park if you have a really reactive dog. Um, And that's not to say that you can't correct for that kind of reactivity or bad behaviors. You definitely can. And the perk of conditioning the e-collar is that the dog understands what the e-collar means even when it is a correction. They know that that sensation is coming from you and they know, oh, okay, she means... Yeah, she means business. I'm not supposed to do this thing. I'm not going to do it again. Whereas uh, a lot of the owners that I work with are really relying on verbal cues. And verbal cues are great if you've taught your dog your verbal commands and they have a lot of meaning. But the problem with verbal commands is they typically don't have a lot of meaning because dogs don't predominantly communicate verbally. That is a very human thing. So A lot of dogs, they're not really listening to us all the time. And that's why it's so important to have like very short, sweet sentences with our dogs and communicate to them in a way that is very clear and not full length sentences. And we're not talking to them like people and using these tools like leashes and e-collars to communicate that with them in a way that they understand. They pick up on physical sensations and body language much better than they do verbal cues. And what's really nice about e-collar training is once you teach your dog what the e-collar means, you'll find that your verbal cues have a lot more meaning because it's clear to them. They know exactly what they need to do based on that sensation going on and that sensation going off. So while I would love to walk through all of the instances in which I would correct and not correct a dog, I just can't really do that because it is so specific to your dog and your case. Um, But I do urge you to really tune into your dog and ask yourself like, okay, where are these behavioral issues stemming from? Reactivity usually comes from either like a fearful dog or a dog who lacks impulse control. So they just can't help themselves when they see something, they immediately react. So you can work on impulse control by uh, setting the food on the ground and not letting your dog eat it right away or um, opening doors, teaching them threshold manners, 
having them do downstays around distractions. That's a good way to work on impulse control. And you'll find that those issues that you've been facing will kind of melt away with all of this structure and language that you have with your dog. You almost don't have to train for those individual things. Um, so one thing that I do like to really fine tune in my training using the e-collar is the heel position. Um, I really like using the e-collar on the walk, on a structured walk. So a structured walk is your dog is walking with you, not in front of you. So no stopping, no sniffing, no lunging, no barking. They can't just stop and you stop too. You are walking and you designate the time to stop. So you're walking, walking, walking. Okay. You walk your dog over to the grass. You give them that release word. I say go potty or okay. Walk them to the grass. They can sniff, be dogs, do their doggy business. And then you go back to the walk. So there's none of that like, oh, I'm going to sniff here. And then you stop and then you stop because your dog stops. Nope just keep walking. Um, I think the structured walk is one of the most important tools in dog training. So use your e-collar on your structured walk to really teach your dog what that heel position is. Now, I do think you need to have a pretty good heel. Um, You need to have a dog that walks next to you before you just slap on the e-collar and start doing this stuff. But I have found that the e-collar really does fine tune that heel position and it just makes it really pretty and makes it so your dog understands exactly what that heel position is. So for this, I just do 180s. I talk about this a lot, but a 180 is just like a 180 degree turn. Um, So you're walking, walking, walking. The dog starts to get out ahead of you a little bit. The dog is on the left hand side. You're going to plant your left foot, turn over your right shoulder and tap on that e-collar until the dog turns and comes your way. So when you're tapping, you want to make sure that you're using a steady tap. You don't want to be like tap, 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 tap because that's going to escalate the dog. It needs to be very steady. Tap, tap, tap until the dog moves your way. Good job. And then you can start doing that. Um, so another thing that I like to do, which is very similar to a 180 with the e-collar is you're walking, walking, walking. Dog gets out in front of you a little bit. You're going to let them get in front of you, give them some leash. Then you're going to walk backwards, tap, tap, tap. Then you're going to loop your dog back into the heel position and walk forward. So you're almost making kind of like a figure eight with your dog. So your dog is out in front of you. They're not paying attention. That's when you start tapping. So then they'll feel that sensation. Oh, she's trying to get my attention. They're going to turn around, see that you're no longer there. They're going to move towards you. You stop doing that tapping. Then you bring them over into the heel position. Mark that with good and keep walking again. So I know that this is not the best place to explain how to do these techniques, but hopefully that gives you a little place to start with the e-collar. So the most important thing when you're doing this is just keep it at a low level for the first week Do not dial up if your dog is not listening. You need to have the leash on every time you have the e-collar so that you don't give your dog the opportunity to blow you off and that you can hold them accountable to the command every single time. So you need that leash on there for as long as you can until you know for sure that the dog knows exactly what to do when they feel that sensation. So After you've layered it on top of your um, obedience commands and layered it on your walk, then once you feel that the dog understands exactly what the e-collar means, you can start kind of trying some off leash. So I like to start with a long lead. Uh, I just use a 15 foot leash. I tie the handle to my belt loop or to like my backpack or my fanny pack strap. And then I have the other one on the dog and it kind of drags behind us. So it feels like the dog is off leash, but they're not. I still have that 
added safety net if I need to. So start going for a walk. See if your dog hangs out next to you. If they start to kind of drift ahead a bit, do those turns. Do that little figure eight with your dog. Start tap, 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 move backwards as they move towards you. Good job. Bring them back into the heel position. So start doing things with a little less leash guidance. Then once you get that perfectly down, then you can go no leash, just e-collar. So this is the best stage because you have a way to communicate with your dog no matter where you're at. You can hold them accountable to the training. So let's say you have a dog that gets really anxious in the car and they're kind of pacing. They might get nauseous. Anytime I have a dog like that, I practice downstays in the car. So if you don't have an e-collar, this might be kind of difficult because you would have to turn around and like grab a leash and kind of guide the dog back into a down. But with the e-collar, if the dog goes to stand up, it's a simple tap tap, tap until the dog lays down. Good job. So you have a way to communicate with the dog in these real life situations. And what's so nice about it is it's just the tap of a button. You're not yanking a leash. You're not yelling at your dog. And that's really why I like these tools is it just gives us another way to communicate with our dogs. And the more tools and languages that we have to communicate with our dogs, the clearer our message is going to be. And that's ultimately going to lead to a more successful relationship between you and your dog. Because anytime people are struggling with their dogs, it's because they don't have a clear way to communicate their expectations. Either the dog blows them off because their verbal commands don't mean anything, or they don't understand leash guidance. So with all of these things put together, we have a super clear message that we can deliver to the dog to set the dog up for success so they know what to do in all situations if that makes sense. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and end it there. This was just a short, sweet kind of intro to my take on e-collar conditioning and what it can do for you. So I hope this kind of cleared up any confusion around these tools. Like I said, they're some of my favorites. Um, and little announcement again. So I talked about this last week. We are up and going with the store. Um, I'm going to do a little kind of uh, small release, small opening um, here in the next couple weeks, um, just in time for December. So I'm very excited about that. I've got all of my boxes for the leashes. And if you don't know, I'm having an online store where I'm going to be selling all of these tools, the leashes, the e-collars, the prong collars, everything that you need to train your dog on your own to have all of these resources. So that should be up in the next couple of weeks. I'm very, very excited about this. Um, and if you are ever interested in making your own online store, just know that the process takes so much longer than you think it will. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, I'm very excited and Thank you all so much for being here and for supporting me. Um, if you haven't already, please go and subscribe and leave a review. It is very helpful to me. Um, let me know what you think of the podcast. I'm always up to suggestions. And uh, yeah, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend and I will see you back here next week. <laughs>